What's up, horror fans? Welcome to week four of Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my best friend and co-host, Cecilia Talbert. This week, we took a look at the 1979 Ridley Scott horror sci-fi thriller, Alien. Spoiler warning for anyone who has not seen 1979's Alien. There will be many spoilers. You have been warned. Hi, Riley. So so how have you been since the 24 hours that I talked to you last and we watched the movie together? Oh, I've been great. I've been thinking a lot about aliens. Or alien, rather. I mean, I guess technically there's two, right? Because there's the face hugger. Well, but isn't Aliens... Oh, yeah, Aliens is a, is a sequel, yeah. That's the sequel, yeah. I thought you were speaking literally about the aliens in the movie. No, but I have very specifically been thinking of those two aliens. <laughs> Did they leave a really profound effect on you? They made me feel things I wasn't expecting to feel. I wouldn't say this movie, movie super stayed with me the way it stayed with you. Well, I don't know that it necessarily stayed with me, but it made me... Uh, put off by the whole thing? Yeah, put off by the whole human body. That's fair. How have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. I've been uh, watching Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone, as you know. I got to the second season yesterday. How is it? I really like it. I really enjoy it. I know some people had issues or they didn't like it, but I think if you're a... Uh, Especially if you're a Twilight Zone fan, you'll like the new series. And the first episode of the second season was really good. Okay, I heard really mixed reviews of the first season, so I never actually looked into it, but maybe I'll have to do that now. Well, it's like any anthology series. There are going to be some episodes you like more than others, so... Oh, that's true. I've skipped around in Black Mirror so much, there's so many episodes I haven't even bothered with. Yeah, there were a, there are a good handful of episodes I really liked in the first season of Twilight Zone, and some that I like didn't like as much, but I appreciated. Like, the, the season finale, I didn't really like it, but I liked the thought behind it and and how they did it but i don't know if i liked the story that much but it's something worth looking into yeah oh also i watched the invisible man i would recommend that that was that was a lot of fun it looked really good i love elizabeth moss and i just watched uh, us that she Ooh. was in and that was fantastic as well see you're not as scared of, of horror as you claim to be i have been panicking about that entire film since i watched it i was terrified and it's not even that scary you're so calm and collected though on the outside on the inside you're just screaming all the time yes that's the only kind of horror e things that i've been kind of consuming have you have you other than us have you watched any any horror based things outside of what we have watched for the podcast the only other thing that i have watched and that was about a month ago at this point was it follows that was more like just a surrealist dreamscape kind of movie i don't know that i'd even put it within the horror genre i guess technically it is i wouldn't say i loved it follows but i liked it yeah i liked it a lot i thought it was very interesting and i really like i can't remember the director's name off the top of my head but i know he did under the silver lake more recently and i really liked that film as well oh i haven't seen that oh i would recommend it andrew garfield's in it it's very good it sounds familiar but i can't place it in my brain yeah that it's not really horror it's more like a not murder mystery but like a girl goes missing kind of thing and he's trying to solve it it's just a regular mystery 
So I guess circling back to Alien, did you like the movie? What what are your general thoughts before we dive in deeper? Oh yeah, for sure. So out of the three movies that we have watched for this podcast, it is my number one favorite thing that we have watched. It was fantastic. Did you like it? Yeah, no, I really like this movie. I have seen it before, but it's been a minute since I've seen it. I saw it during like one hollow like one October month when I usually do my like horror viewings before Halloween. And so it was kind of mashing with a bunch of other things and I remember really liking it then, but I I had no idea how much I had just forgotten about this movie in the years since I've seen it. Yeah, there were we, so we watched it together and there were times where you seemed like you were genuinely surprised in your reactions at what was going on. Which was funny because you had said before we started that you had seen the film before. Been a big hot minute since I sat down and seen it. And I'd only seen it the one time. Right. And I feel like there was a lot going on. But I I really liked it. I really liked the structure of the film. I really liked it visually. I really liked all of the characters. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I should probably say, in case anybody is wondering... The version we watched was the theatrical cut. We did not watch the director's cut. Yeah, I looked to see how long the director's cut was, and it was like over two and a half hours. Yeah, from everything I've heard, and I don't even know when I watched it years ago which version I watched. I'm pretty sure I watched the theatrical version. I've heard it's I've heard it's the better of the two, and I'm pretty sure that I've read somewhere that Ridley Scott likes the theatrical version better, and that the only reason they did a director's cut was to sell movies. So it's just to make money? Yeah, so it's essentially like all the fat that you're like, I can do away with this to make a tighter, fast-paced movie. And then you add it all back in. So he said it was from the studio. The studio wanted to like re-release it, so he just did it. Well, I'm glad that's the version that we watched, the theatrical version, because there was no point in time where I thought they were wasting time or there was any fluff or any unnecessary scenes. Yeah, yeah, this movie is pretty tight, and I I don't think you could lose anything. And I can see why Ridley Scott would have been like, we probably shouldn't add anything to it. But that's not the version we watched, so I'm not actually sure what is in the director's cut version. I just know that it's longer. Yeah, I am interested to maybe go back and take a look at that and see what they cut out of the theatrical version. Yeah, I don't think it's the same as the director's cut of Blade Runner, though. Oh, God. Which is surprising because he made Alien before he made Blade Runner, but I feel like he fought with the studio a lot more on Blade Runner. I have seen Blade Runner. I retained none of it somehow. Like, I must have just put it on and zoned out for two hours because I could not tell you what that movie is about. I really like Blade Runner. It does have some problematic elements to it, but I think overall it's a really good film. And I really liked the sequel they made a few years back. It was really beautiful. Oh, with Ryan Gosling? Yeah. And I know some people didn't like it, but I thought it was good. I didn't see it because I hadn't seen Blade Runner at that point, but it just, it looked really pretty from just the stills that I saw. Yeah, super pretty. You want to talk about the opening scene? It was really pretty. Do you mean the title sequence? Yes, the title sequence when they're, and when they're going through the ship, like showing all of the just structure of the ship. Yeah, I really like when movies do that. They kind of establish kind of where everything is. Right, like you're just kind of thrown into the setting. It's kind of like how in The Shining, you see Danny kind of taking his tricycle, or is it a tricycle? Oh, what are those called? I used to have one, like a big wheel. Yeah, big wheel. He's taking his big wheel through the hallway, so you can kind of get the feel of the layout. It kind of does that at the beginning, so you see the space, 
We go into the spaceship and then we see the crew waking up. And they wake up in those pods. And I thought that was a really nice way to introduce just the general feel of the movie because the pods themselves seem very womb-like. And there's so much like anatomical imagery in this movie that that was a really interesting way for it to start. We'll talk about it, but there's a lot of like womb metaphors and birth metaphors. And there's a lot of like phallic things. And and from what I read, I don't think it was intentional. Oh, really? Because from what I had read in an interview that I watched specifically with the writer Dan O'Bannon, it seemed very intentional from his point of view. Well, I think it was intentional from his point of view, but I, from, I, and I don't know uh, what, I don't remember what I was reading, but the rest have now come to admit like, oh yeah, we were subconsciously like really dirty. That's insane that that could have happened that many times unintentionally because the ship. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it literally looks like four giant penises with balls the alien itself looks like a giant penis what (laughs) that's insane yeah it's the one thing i really like about the progress of this movie and it might not be i guess i could kind of say it here but the ship kind of transforms during the movie like it starts very clinical very science fiction so with everything is very mechanical it's very sterile and then kind of as the film goes, everything gets a lot like wetter and slimy and like becomes more like the alien. It becomes very biological. It becomes like the inside of a vagina. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, like the inside of a womb. Okay, yeah, that's a less vulgar way to say that. It's like I'm in a cervix. Yeah. Or you could, yeah, or it's supposed to be a representation of the alien taking over the ship. But I think the the womb metaphor is strong with this movie. Well, that would make sense, too, though, because the alien itself is very moist. He's organic and metallic. He's got a lot of mechanical parts to him, it looks like. And he's also very moist. So it's like a weird combination of things. I really like the design yep. of the alien. I thought it was really interesting looking. I like the uh, that they didn't give him any eyes. So it made him feel like even less human-like. Crew wakes up in their pods. Then they, I assume they are hungry. So they, they have a meal together. And that's kind of where you first kind of really see the banter between the actors. And I think this banter is really, really good. They they feel like they've been doing this together. They almost feel kind of like a family. They kind of reminded me just everything about it reminded me of like Futurama. Because it just seemed like a very close-knit group of people that are just doing like space delivery missions space trucking yeah exactly but no i think you're right i think the just that intro scene i just really like the banter between all of the characters in that opening scene because it even just in those few minutes you get a real taste for what all of their personalities are yeah, it's it's a very easy way to kind of introduce kind of all the characters at once without having to give them too much. And I like that this movie does a really good job of not telling you everything. 
Yeah, it barely tells me anything right off the bat. I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on for the first, like, half hour. Yeah, and it really kind of throws you into it, which, I mean, that must be what the crew feels because they wake up from their stasis sleep and they're just thrown into this mission. Did they say how long that they had been asleep up until then? No, it, it hadn't, but I'm assuming... I'm trying to remember how long they said it was going to take them to get back to earth it was 10 months to get back so i'm assuming at their halfway they've they were probably they've probably been asleep for 10 months because i assume they went and picked up whatever they're they're hauling and then they probably got the ship going back and then they put themselves in stasis so about the same amount of time back yeah that's what i would assume that's the scene where you get introduced to the mother ai too right is she wants to talk to the captain to talk to dallas yeah yeah, she's got to tell Dallas, kind of the the captain, the information about why she woke them up. I think that's when, that was the part when I could really gain insight into all of their personalities is when he comes back and tells them all, you guys have probably realized that we're not close to Earth yet. And all of their reactions in having to stop and like check out this planet seems very according to who they are. I mean, it makes more sense because they're essentially just space truckers, so it's not like they're gonna, yes, captain, no captain. I mean, ultimately, they're like, yeah, but they have to be talked into it. They have to be like, you're gonna lose your money if you don't do what the company says. Yeah, well, that, um, I think Yafet Kodo is his, the actor's name, plays Parker. He especially is like, I did not sign up for that. That's not what I'm here to do. And until they're like, well, if you don't do it, you don't get paid. And then he suddenly straightens out and is like, okay, let's go. Yeah, and something I I read that I think was definitely indicative of filmmakers before a certain time, but apparently Ridley Scott told that actor to be mean to Weaver while they weren't filming to like build up the fact that their characters butt heads and don't really like each other. Oh, I read that exact same thing and they went back and asked him and he said he really regretted it because he really liked Sigourney Weaver as a person. It's just a different time. Like, I don't really think that would happen now. Well, that's what happened on the set of The Breakfast Club, too. That's why Judd Apatow and Molly Ringwald do seem really tense in their scenes because she just fucking hated him. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, next time you watch Breakfast Club, pay attention to the tension in their scenes. Yeah, speaking of the cast, I think they did a really good job with the casting for this movie. I mean, there's only seven characters besides, I mean, eight if you want to include the alien. But there's only seven human actors. Wait, they're all actors. They're all human. There's only seven human characters in this film, and I think they all do a very, very good job. Oh, absolutely. I really like the performance of everyone in this movie, Sigourney Weaver especially. But I think, yeah, just going in, I already knew I was going to love Ripley. I read that... I think I think it was Ridley Scott actually wrote each each of them out like a character oh, like okay. background which I I think is fun but I know a lot of actors already do that. Yeah, like for themselves when they get cast as someone they'll go back and like they'll either do research or they'll make up their own kind of character history which will inform their actions. Well, and okay, so I know there are sequels, there are prequels to Alien 2, though, right? That's like what the, maybe, was it Prometheus was one? Or is that something completely different? You know what? I've, once again, I just don't watch a lot of horror movie sequels. And Aliens has been on my list forever. 
I will eventually get get around to watching it. But the only other alien movie I've seen is Covenant. Oh, yeah. You made me watch that weird flute scene last night. I know a lot of diehard fans of the Alien series are either, like, they either really, really love the... Are they prequels? I can't even remember. Really love the, like, uh, Prometheus and Covenant, and the other ones really hate it. And I can understand why people don't like it, because they do give you this kind of mythology hint in this movie of the aliens and the the I can't remember what they call the alien that's in in the big spaceship that they explore. I think they call him the jockey. Space jockey? Yeah, space jockey. So you get hints of the mythology, something that's there, but they don't tell you. And so you can kind of invent your own thing to it. Yeah, I think I like that better. I don't really think I need a whole like lore to back this up because I think just as a one-off film it works really, really well. Yeah, I agree. Although I've heard Aliens is absolutely wonderful. It's directed by James Cameron. I will one day watch it. It's I literally have a list sitting in my living room of movies and TV shows I need to watch, and Aliens is on it. But in this time of COVID, I just keep going back to my comfort watches. You're just watching Gilmore Girls over and over again? I almost restarted Gilmore Girls again, but I was like, no. I want to watch Twilight Zone. I'm trying really hard not to. I've only watched probably one episode in the last four months. Oh, the other character that I really liked a lot <laughs> is Ian Holm, who play he plays the character Ash, and <laughs> the whole movie it's so funny. I for, I don't know how I forgot he was a robot. I really haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I like yeah, you were genuinely surprised to find out that he was an android. I was like, you have watched this. How did you not know? Well, and the funny thing is I realized before the reveal, like I remembered before the reveal because I was like, well, that's weird. There's rope. There's like androids in like Covenant and Prometheus. And I was like, oh, that's right. He's an android. And then I hit him on the head and I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a very big thing to forget. But I feel like they hinted at it so much in the beginning and in hindsight i can really tell like if i go back and watch i'll be like okay this is why you're acting so suspicious but i thought it was a very fun way to reveal it i think the reason that you're like he's acting weird but you don't really think anything about it is because and we talked about this more than once but there are a couple parts in this movie especially with ash that i just kept thinking jurassic park like, no, 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 it'll be fine. This is great. This is the best. Nothing bad will happen. Don't kill the alien. Yeah, like, he was just super horny for the alien. He just didn't want to kill it because he loved it. Yeah, Ash was like Hammond. And then Ripley, oh, what's his name? Was Jeff Goldblum's character. I can't remember his name. Ooh, yeah, they are both the hottest in the movies they're in. <laughs> it's a good comparison. But yeah, all the actors are really phenomenal. I mean, I, I can't, I, they, they all pulled their weight in more. There's not one person that I'm like, meh. I really, really related to um, Lambert, who's played by Veronica Cartwright, especially later in the movie where she's just like a mess and crying. She's, she's definitely who I would be in this situation. Everybody wants to be Ripley, but how many of us would actually be Ripley? None of us. I think that she did a really good job, um, the woman who played Lambert, of basically just showing how the audience is reacting. It's like, I also just kind of want to stand around and scream at this alien. I don't want to fight it or do anything. 
One of the other really cool things about the casting of this movie is that they wrote all the characters to be unisex so they could be kind of cast as anybody who would fit the role. Oh, that was for every character, not specifically just to Ripley? Yeah, I read I read more about it because when we watched it yesterday, I know the, the, the big thing is people say that Ripley was supposed to be a man and because Sigourney, um, Sigourney Weaver was so great, they gender swapped the role. But from what I read is they wrote all the rules to be unisex so they could be either. And when people say that, that it was it was changed because of Weaver. It actually was something that Ridley Scott just had a like they had envisioned Ripley as a man and then one day Ridley Scott was like, Wait, what if Ripley was a woman? I think that would make a more interesting story. And that's why they swapped it. It was um going to be either Weaver cast in the role or Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep had something going on, so she declined it. Yeah, I think her was it her husband or boyfriend at the time had died yeah she had some sort of um some sort of tragedy happen so Loss she did in her life it. yeah and i think as much as i love meryl streep i cannot see her in this role so i'm really really glad that sigourney weaver ended up being cast i wonder if people initially think that ripley was supposed to be a man because she is breaking all of these typical gender stereotypes in the film where she just basically is acting or she is in charge for, like, half of the film. She's, like, third in command. She's going against all the dumb shit that the guys keep trying to do. Yeah, and for the time, there weren't really any female action stars. So it was a really big change. So after Dallas talks to Mother and figures out what their mission is, I guess, you find out that they were woken up because there's some sort of signal coming from a nearby moon that they're passing. And so it is the company's policy to go and explore it in case it is intelligent life. And I know there are a lot of undertones talking about like sexuality and stuff in the movie, but I think there was a lot going on about capitalism as well when it comes to the company and how it treats the employees and how they're just basically drones to them. People get really invested in their jobs, and sometimes you're really afraid of, like, hurting your company. But in the end, if you work for a big conglomerate, you're just a number. You're not a person. I mean, you find that out later especially, but that is who everyone on this ship is. They are merely a number. The company is out for one thing. That is, the company is hot for aliens. They're Amazon employees. (laughs) Dude, why is everyone so horny for aliens in this movie? Uh, you saw that alien. It was trying to make me horny for aliens. He's hot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. And ultimately, like most decisions when it comes to work, it all comes down to money. They decide, let's go down and explore that signal. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, God, and they'll find out. At one point, I think it's when, because Lambert... Dallas and Kane are the ones who basically go, like, out into the planet and check it all out. Yeah, they're the actual, like, on-the-ground foot explorers. Right. Thank you for wording that better. But Ash and Ripley are in the ship, and Ripley is basically saying, Hey, so Mother's kind of saying that this isn't an SOS signal. It, it's a warning signal. Should we uh, maybe fuck off and leave? And he just keeps convincing her, No. 
what's the worst that could happen? Because he's a robot. Well, and looking back, I'm like, oh, you're a fucking android. Yeah, it makes more sense. Looking back, it definitely comes more across as he's the company android. He's doing what the company wants him to do. As opposed to when you're watching it the first time, you're like, this guy's crazy. Well, and he is the person in charge of, like, the science division. So I'm thinking maybe it's for some sort of personal gain until I find out, oh, no, he's a robot. He's just programmed to be like this. Yeah, and then a lot of the shots and the the set work, and I know they used a lot of miniatures. Like, it all holds up pretty well, the visuals in this, like, sequence of them walking across the moon till they get to the spaceship. It's all very beautiful. I think the entire movie, other than that one scene at the end, was incredible looking. I think just from being from, what, 40 years ago, it looks great. Yeah, it's just another reason why sometimes practical is better because it just, it holds up longer over time. Yeah, I think other than maybe like the screens of the computer on the ship, everything else looked great. Like I wouldn't be able to put a time frame on when it came out without seeing that. Although I think the screens also kind of add to it because the ship definitely just kind of looks like it's put together from old ships. Like it's like a bunch of decommissioned ships that they just took parts out of and just made one big ship with it did have a very big like millennium falcon kind of feel to it like a cleaner version to keep the cost down a lot of the especially for the ship the sets were like scrap metal and they got like old airplanes like the inside of like airplanes and hangars and stuff and used that which i think was really interesting that worked out really well that makes sense so when they go into the ship, and which they shouldn't, but they go into the ship, it's it's crazy looking. I remember we were trying to figure out what exactly it looked like, and I, and I was like, it looks like the inside of a whale. Yeah, it looked like a rib cage, or like the inside of if I'd just been swallowed by an animal. It looked awesome, and there, when they do go down even further and end up finding the eggs, it looks like they're kind of scaling a spine almost. Yeah, the ship is massive. Oh, it's enormous. It's I think that might have been my favorite set design in the entire film. It looks amazing. And do you know that the studio almost didn't let them do it? Didn't let them, what, go into the spaceship? The scene with the space jockey, they didn't want that. They didn't want to make the space jockey. They're like, don't spend money on that. It's a waste of money. And really, Scott was like, no, no. It's building a richer, like, background. Yeah, it looked awesome. The big, like, fossilized alien guy that they find. But I feel like that should have tipped him off. Like, hey, maybe the signal is old. Maybe we should get the hell out of here. Yeah, I think we even talked about that. Because they go in and clearly there is no life. Well, I mean, that's what they think. But they they keep going, regretfully. Poor Kane. Yeah, he gets a big old face hug. Poor John Hurt. Oh, and by the way, we didn't talk about John Hurt yet. I love John Hurt. He is wonderful. Rest in peace. I do. I really like him. He, I don't think he even has very much dialogue in the film, but just what I saw of him was great, and even just his acting in the chest-bursting scene was very fun. He really sells it. Props to the casting director, because everyone in this movie is just spot-on cast perfectly. So what was your reaction uh, 
when Kane uh, goes down. And from the sounds I heard coming um, out of your side of the chat while you're watching this and he like slips and falls and like looking in the egg, you were like, huh? Huh? Yeah, I was very upset. So he goes down into the, I don't know, is it like a cave? I don't know what it is. It's like a chamber. Yeah, into this chamber and finds these eggs. His immediate reaction, he looks at it, sees something like wriggling around inside. So his reaction is, I should touch that and starts poking at it. Why would you do that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so bad. And then it opens like a Venus flytrap, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Oh, the egg looked really awesome. That whole scene, like everything in the movie looks fucking awesome. But no, I, I really liked the way the egg looked. I was very distraught when he was poking around at it because he obviously could tell there was some sort of living organism in it. And then he seems genuinely surprised when it pops out and sticks to his his helmet. Gives him a big old hug on his face. And that is one strong, strong creature because it, it, it really just goes straight through his helmet. That is one very strong vagina metaphor. Oh my gosh, that and like even when he goes down in the chamber, he because before, before they go out, they mention that it's very cold. And then when he goes down into the chamber, he's like, ah, it's, it's like a tropical. Yeah, he says it's like the tropics down there, which we could tell just because of how like muggy everything seemed. It does make you wonder, as someone who's only seen Covenant, (laughs) I don't know why I've seen like the first of this franchise and the last of this franchise, but this space jockey alien race, like what, what happened to them? I know vaguely like the backstory of the alien and like the creatures that made it, but I don't remember any of the specifics at all. I don't think I ever want to know any of the specifics because I don't need any motivation from the alien, like to know if it's a good guy or a bad guy. I don't really need that point of view for the movie that I'm watching. Well, I don't think the alien is ever a good guy. I think it it gives you more of a reason for why this creature specifically was made. I remember liking Covenant. Maybe I fall into the camp of I like a little mythology, but I'm also usually pretty good at separating a bad movie from like its predecessor that's good. But yeah, uh, we were talking about the vagina hugger, also known as the face hugger. Oh yeah, was it just me? Or did, what is a not crass way to say this? Did it just seem like the imagery looked like oral sex? Oh, I read something that they decided to have a man get attacked instead of a woman. Because in a way, it's almost like a rape metaphor and they thought it would be very very crass for them to have a woman get attacked and they thought it would subvert the expectations and make men feel very uncomfortable if they had a man get attacked by the face hugger instead of a woman and I agree. I think I like that they chose to do that because that's essentially what it is is a rape scene because the face hugger does essentially impregnate Kane. Yeah. But I think it was a good choice for them. Not that rape is ever good, but it's just so common, like in something like Game of Thrones, to show a rape scene against a woman and have no one bat an eye at it. Yeah, and especially for the the time this movie came out. I mean, it, I mean Ripley subverts so many expectations by being a woman. Right, just the cast in general and what they chose to do with each character. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, and speaking of Ripley, apparently Ripley is the only person among this crew 
who has any common sense because when they try to bring Kane back on board, she's like, no, just no. Oh, you know what? We should probably mention that also when they land on this planet, their ship is just wrecked completely. Like they, Parker and Brett mentioned that it is something that's going to take at least 24, 25 hours to fix. And that's why they're not just sailing away once he gets on the ship. But no, you're right. Uh, Ripley mentions when Dallas is trying to bring them back in that no protocol for something like this, you would need to be quarantined for 24 hours. And he just keeps arguing with her until Kane eventually disobeys orders completely and just opens the hatch and lets them back in. I, I had COVID flashbacks, but, or current flashes, I guess. I think, and I said this when yes. I said this last night. Ripley would be the perfect person for the pandemic right now. We need her. Where is Sigourney Weaver? She's she's hopefully staying safe. She's a treasure and she needs to stay safe. I did read something that Ridley Scott's three inspirations for this movie were Star Wars, uh, Space Odyssey 2001, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that's awesome. I can easily see references to all three of those films in the movie in this scene in particular oh i get i get straight space obviously flashbacks because there's that brilliant scene where he's trying to get back into the ship he's like how let me back in the ship and how's like i can't do that except kind of flipped because our protagonist was outside in space odyssey and our protagonist is inside in this movie. But I like the kind of homage to that. When I also really like how that's sort of flipped where the android or AI is the one letting them back in. Yes, brilliant. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Stupid decision after stupid decision. So they, they let Kane back in. He's got an alien still suckered to his face. And they take him to the to the med bay, and they're trying to figure out like how to get this this uh this creature off his face. And the design for the face hugger is so cool. Originally, they had planned on painting it green, but I don't remember who came in and saw it. But they were like, no, 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 it looks cooler the way it is, flesh toned. We should keep it like that. And it it looks like a spindly hand with like a tail like it's it's very cool it reminded me almost of like the grinch like the grinch who stole christmas it looked oh. like his fingers without the fur <laughs> that's funny you learn that the alien has acid blood because of course it does. Yeah, that was a really convenient way to not get it off of his face is just to fill it with acid. Yeah, and I think they wrote that in because when they were at that point in the script, they were like, well, why wouldn't they just shoot it? <laughs> Gotta have a reason. If they shoot it, all the acid's gonna come out and they're gonna be dead because their ship is going to have a giant hole in it. But also, why would they shoot it if it was attached to someone's face? Unless they're also admitting that all of the crew members are expendable. They're just going to shoot Kane right through the face? Well, I think it might be, not that they were going to shoot him through the face, but maybe if they are able to get it off of him, like they can't then shoot it. Like, what do they do with it? Oh, I see what you're saying. Because they do come back at some point after doing all of the examinations on Kane and find that it is off of his face. And when it falls on Ripley, they don't really know what to do. But it seems to be dead anyway. Yeah, and I think it's Ripley who's like, we should probably get rid of this. It seems like a demon. <laughs> and... Ash is like, no, we must keep it. That's what the company wants. And Dallas is like, 
yeah, he's right. It's what the company wants. All right, let's let's all go get food because later on, Kane wakes up and is fine. Like nothing happened. Doesn't even remember it. This this creature is just made to kill and kill and like put its eggs in people because it is adapting like as they are studying it to like its surroundings. Like this thing is a death machine. Yeah, I think he said, and I didn't really understand any of the science jargon, but he said something about its cells are changing to like match the atmosphere around it. Oh, I think it's kind of brilliant that, and it's such a little detail, but Kane forgets. They ask Kane, what do you remember? And he was like, I don't really remember anything. And like, how brilliant if you're like this creature that your only job is to like put this egg in a, like a host so that it creates the big alien, like to make your victim just forget you were really even there so that there's no chance that it's gonna try to get the egg out of it or someone else were to kill it. Oh, so say this was someone who the rest of the crew did not know that this happened. They wouldn't be examining them for any reason. No, it would just be like, oh, I I slept for eight hours. That's weird. It's a very advanced alien. Yeah, this alien is evolutionarily, it is oh so intense. Could you imagine if that alien had got to Earth, how how fucked we'd be? That's what we need. Come take us out. We deserve it. Oh, no, I don't want anything bursting out of my chest. And speaking of that, let's go to probably the most memorable scene of this whole movie. I was so distraught watching this scene. You heard me. You heard my reaction. It was very genuine. You knew it was going to happen, too. I did not know when it was going to happen. I did not realize, because it happens not even an hour into the movie. Yeah, it happens, uh, like, fairly quick. Yeah, it happens very soon. I had no idea. And I think I was also just so into what was going on that I didn't really register that that's what was happening. They set it up so that we're just having a nice time again. They're all just having a meal. They're happy that Kane seems okay. And he's eating and suddenly he starts choking. And at first I just think, okay, is the alien, like, is it transforming his cells as well? And he's just having a strange reaction to a normal meal? And then realize, oh no, it's time. Sorry, I well, I just keep thinking about it. Yeah, because they do a really good job of making you think everything's fine. And then it, oh, it turns real fast. Yeah, it quickly you realize that something is very wrong and they're i think they all think he's choking or it seems like he's choking and they're trying just to open his airway they're trying to get like a spoon or something in his mouth and and then the blood yeah and then suddenly he's on his back on the table alien is bursting out of his chest blood is splattering everywhere the entire crew looks exactly the same as how i look watching it just terrified and confused i told you this yesterday and it is partially true what i told you so before they filmed this scene they let the actors know generally what was going to happen so they did actually know that there was going to be some sort of alien like bursting out of him but they didn't really know how 
They also didn't know there was going to be any blood. If you go back and just watch that scene, the moment when he lays on his back and there's that first like burst of blood, all the actors freeze like in shock. And then it's just like blood, blood. The actress who plays Lambert, I think slips on it and falls over. She's, she's so shocked. But they only did one take of it. They had four cameras rolling and they did one take of it and it worked. Oh, that's really surprising that they would have gotten that the first time. And it, their reactions do crum- come across as very, very genuine. But I read that the guy plays Parker, Yafet Kodo. After that scene, he went home and he was so upset that he like locked himself in his bedroom and he didn't even talk to his wife for like 24 hours. I can't blame him. That would be terrifying if you don't know what exactly is coming. It works and I'm glad they caught it because those are genuine reactions and it, oh my gosh, it's so good. And then then the alien pops out and it's just like the most phallic thing you've ever seen. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) dick with little sharp teeth. It's very confusing to look at. But I think that scene, the chest burster scene, was probably the most frightening thing in the movie. And I think it was hilarious that they followed it up with just flinging Kane's limp dead body into space. Oh my gosh, that scene was so funny. (laughs) And I know it shouldn't have been, but it was very funny visually. There's just a handful of things in this movie that... I don't think hold up technical wise like there's that and then the scene at the end where the like actual ship blows up I don't think those look great but everything else looks really good so you can forgive it well yeah I can even forgive the explosion scene but just catapulting Mm -hmm. him out of that ship (laughs) and watching his body spin around it was so it was just very strange Yeah, and we just couldn't stop laughing. It was just so funny. It was just very jarring to see after the chestburster scene. It's like there's just so many things going on visually right now. I need a break. Also, I think it's very funny that when when the little alien bursts out of his chest and is looking around, almost everybody's reaction is, let's kill it. Except Ash is like, wait! And then he runs off and I'm like, ah, that was a bad decision not to kill that. At that point, I feel like everyone should have been like, something's up with Ash. Maybe we should just kill him. This just makes you think that like Ash has always been weird. I do think it's funny that none of them realized he was an android. But I guess maybe he wasn't really weird up until this point. Well, and also, I don't know what things are like on Earth at this time. Like, are there androids that just blend in with people? Is there a way to tell? So maybe he just seemed like a perfectly normal guy. But there were scenes where when I was watching, especially when they're about to like go outside and he does that little like jog in place and just seems very strange that I was like something's wrong with this guy I mean it's leaving breadcrumbs so that if you go back and rewatch you could see how like he's he's an android but I think for the first time viewing it you just think he's a little off and he's just a little too obsessed with his science like he cares more about his science than he does people which is very much in line with the company plays it really well yeah so R.I.P. Kane yeah they get oh and then you mentioned the alien uh scurries out of 
Kane's chest, and now they get their big, like, I don't know what that machine they were using to find it was, but it looked like the same thing they use in, like, the Ghostbusters movies to try and find ghosts. Yeah, I think it was just supposed to be something that would let them, like, sense where it was, like, its movement, or, it doesn't, it's a MacGuffin, it's just a way so that they can kind of pinpoint it, so they're not just randomly wandering around the ship looking for something they think is, like, half a foot foot tall. Well, and then they seem to all forget that Jones the cat is on board, so the first thing that they kind of ping with this machine is the cat, and then we get the second crew member picked off. I guess it's fair they forgot about the cat, because after you see an alien burst out of someone's chest, your first thought probably isn't oh we have a cat somewhere on board we gotta get this alien and kill it i mean maybe if you don't want the alien to eat the cat you should be considering that the next death we have is brett poor brett he goes looking for the cat because he didn't catch it so now he has to find it so that their like weird macguffin machine doesn't pick it up again oh and he finds that big like alien skin that he's shed and you can tell that this alien is growing yeah that's upsetting because he's apart from everybody so i think in his brain he's probably just i'll get the cat and then i'll group back up but when he finds the skin he's like oh the alien is probably in here and this is the scene where you can actually see the alien i knew he was somewhere in the shop but i i couldn't remember where he was so i had to after we were done i actually went online and looked but there's a scene where they kind of pan up and you can kind of see him curled like up in the ship and i guess for that scene they actually built that set around him so they could hide him perfectly oh that's really cool yeah i'm gonna have to and i'm definitely going to go back and watch this movie again so i'm gonna have to pay a little bit more attention to the background even knowing he was there i couldn't i couldn't find him that's how well he's hidden also, I have very bad eyes, so that could also be why. Well, and I think in sh- in scenes, some of it is just very dark, and the alien itself is black. Yeah, he's dark. And he looks like the ship. The ship itself gets really wet and moist and <laughs> moist. Moist? I kind of like it. It reminds me of cake. Oh, cake. I want cake. Yeah. Right? Ooh, like chocolate cake sounds really good right when now. When I watch Alien, I'm like, mmm, cake. Every time I watch Alien, I'm like, hmm. Abstinence. Oh, yeah, maybe oh. that. <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs> correct. <laughs> I am put off sex forever after watching this movie. I do like that in this movie. And it was because of the studio. Because Ridley Scott wanted this movie to be a lot bloodier than what it was. Because he essentially wanted like a space slasher sort of kind of feel to it. And... It, the studio was like, no, 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 there's too much blood. So you don't see a lot of the deaths. You just kind of get the jump scare of the alien kind of getting them, and then it cuts away, which I think actually really, really works for the movie. Yeah, didn't even realize that until now. I think, um, is Kane the only one we see actually physically die? Yeah, because the only other thing is we kind of hear, we hear Lambert and Parker die over, like, the speaker, but we don't see them die. And I don't remember seeing Dallas die either i remember the jump scare when he's in the vents and then they are tracking the alien on they're trying to track the alien and he's i think he's just going through and like closing the parts of the airlock to try to like flush it out to get it to a point where they can literally like jettison it into space but that does not go according to plan no not at all no and i don't yeah i don't think we see him die either i think we get that jump scare where he turns around the alien is there and then we just cut back to them listening or figuring out what's 
happening. You don't really need to see them die because I don't think you ever get a very, very good look at the alien. You get kind of a better look towards the end of the movie, but you get enough of a look at it that it's 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 enormous. It's it, it's like six, seven feet tall. It's huge. So I don't think there's anything that would make you think that they probably escaped. It's fine. Yeah, no, there was at no point where I thought, oh yeah, they can probably survive that. Oh, also, I think in a scene right after Brett dies, Ash calls the alien Kane's son. And for some reason, that just really creeped me out. And I don't know if that was because if we're following the symbolism in the movie, that that's like a product of rape is why it was so creepy or just the fact that it was an alien that's now murdering everyone. But I really didn't like that. I don't think he really meant it. Like he didn't, he doesn't really think it's Kane's son. I think he's just so disgusted by it that he doesn't know what else to call it. And it's just probably the first thing that came to his brain. So he was like, yeah, was it Ash? That was Ash that said it. So he's super horny for the alien. He, he. Oh, was it Ash who said it? Oh yeah, Ash is a weird robot, so... uh... And I think that's what made it even creepier in hindsight, is that this weird android is like, that's his son. Like, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah, so R.I.P. Dallas. So, two down. Three down. We got Kane, Kane, Brett, and Dallas. Yeah, they're he's wiping them out fast. Oh yeah, because Brett. Four more to go. So at this point, now that Dallas is dead, we get Ripley, who now gets to be officially in charge. Thank God. She's the only cool-headed one. She is definitely the person you want on your team because everyone else panics. I am the Lambert. I am in the corner crying because I'm so distraught. And Ripley keeps a cool head and she's like, all right, here's the plan. Let's not split up. And then they split up. Yeah, that was very bizarre that she was like, okay, we've got to stick together, and then immediately splits off from the group. I mean, my guess is that wherever everybody was going, it was, like, close. Well, and it must have been, because the next shot that Ripley is in, she's in that pod communicating with Mother, and then suddenly Ash just kind of creepily shows up sitting right next to her. He's, like, sitting or standing right next to her, and that's when she finds out that she overrides the system, because at first, it even though she's the like captain in command it doesn't want to tell her like what the real mission is she has to like override it like two or three times and then she finds out that the real mission is the alien and that the crew is expendable and that is when ash uh then attacks her and he just chooses such a strange way to try to kill her like he rolls up a magazine and tries to suffocate her you think a science officer would know a better way to kill somebody well maybe he wasn't programmed to murder so he didn't i don't yeah that doesn't make any yes probably well if he wasn't programmed to murder he probably wouldn't try to murder her at all he was probably just programmed to protect the mission that's true like protect the mission at all costs everyone is expendable if you have to kill them then go ahead but it just was such an inconvenient way to try to kill someone eat this nom 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 We would think you're a robot. You've got to have, like, I don't know, some kind of super strength or something. Yeah, but apparently he doesn't have super strength with his neck because uh, Parker comes and, like, hits him and his head falls off. Oh, yeah, they fuck him up. He Okay, and yeah. I think that was when I kind of realized that something was going on with Ash, is that I guess if this android malfunctions, he just starts kind of dripping white liquid. It looked like milk. Yeah, I think they do something with it in Covenant and Prometheus. 
But hey, I can't remember, so who knows? Well, I'll find out if I ever decide to look into those, which I won't. I gotta watch Aliens first, though. Maybe I'll... Yeah, I just want more Ripley. That's the only reason I'm kind of considering watching that. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll make that my my outside viewing for the next upcoming week outside of what we're going to watch next week. They do a really good job with restarting his robot head, his android head so they can t- really figure out what's going on. And I think the way they did it was really cool and the only reason that they did it with the actor's actual, like, he obviously was, like, underneath a table and, like, poked his head through was because they were gonna make a fake head and it just didn't work. So they were like, I guess we'll just, we'll just stick his head through the table. And it does work. It's a good idea. Yeah, I think visually it looked fine. Like, obviously I knew what they were doing with the practical effect there. But I think if they would have just used some sort of, like, animatronic thing or something, it would have not aged well at all. I mean, it looks real. It's it's just one of those things that if you've kind of seen that kind of gag before, like, you, you know what they're doing. But it doesn't take away from the effect. It still looks really good. And then is that, that's the part where he basically tells them that they have a really, really low chance of surviving this alien. I don't remember who speaks before him, but there's like, we're not gonna survive. And then he says, I can't lie about your chances, but you have my sympathies. Well, that's very nice of him. I mean, he could have helped them the entire time with his crazy robot strength, but that's fine. Well, he's not there to protect them. They're expendable. He's there to protect the alien. That's when you really learn that it wasn't just something where they happened upon this signal. They were purposefully stopped and sent to get the alien so the company can get it and use it as a weapon. If the company had succeeded at this, it would have gone wrong. I don't understand why the company didn't either send a ship full of androids trained to wrangle this alien or send willing volunteers who knew what the mission was beforehand. This seems very flawed that if I don't know that I am supposed to be catching and bringing an alien back to Earth, I'm not going to be prepared for that. I'm going to fuck it up. Well, the problem is they can't really tell anybody because the only way, I think the only way they can get the alien to the ship is to have somebody play host and who is going to volunteer to be the host. But I think you still would have found a willing participant. There are people who are like back in, say, the Mayan days that were willing human sacrifices that were glad to do something like this. So who says they wouldn't have some kind of crazy alien religion where that would be an honor to be the host? Also, I think it was probably just a money thing. They were like, this crew is already going out there. They're expendable. It's not a big deal. We'll have them stop and pick it up and bring it back. I guess so. It's an evil corporation. I don't I don't think it's supposed to be a smart corporation because it's almost, it's like having a bioweapon. It's just going to get out. And then it's going to destroy everything. Also, they probably just want to keep it a secret. They don't want anyone to know they have it, is my guess. Do you think that Elon Musk's... Yes. Do you think that Elon Musk owns the company? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. It, it sounds does like sound him. like him. <gasps> what if we're living in the prequel to Alien right now? I would believe it. So crew finds out that they're expendable. And so they decide, well, let's, I guess we'll blow up the ship. I think that's a pretty good plan. And to be fair, in this cir- circumstance, they haven't even seen it. I would be like, yeah, let's, let's just kill it because there's no way we're going to be able to take a gun and shoot it. So let's just blow the ship up, get on the, the shuttle and just make our way back. And the way that the alien for the best. has been so stealthy the entire time, I think that is their best odds, is just 
if we destroy everything, there's a good chance we'll hit it. Yeah, because even if they were to fight it, I, I know there's a bigger fight scene in the sequel between Ripley and an alien, but I'm wondering if this alien also has acid blood, so if killing it might not be a great option. Oh, I hadn't even considered that because I assume if it's the same species as the facehugger, it would have some sort of defense me- mechanism like that. Yeah, this thing just seems like a like a tough son of a bitch, and I can't even imagine how you would go about killing it. I hope we never have to find out. So in the process of them trying to to blow up the ship, Ripley just goes goes after the cat. She's she's ready. She's got the ship ready to go, but then she's like, "Wait, I have to get Jones." So she just leaves and goes after the cat. Yeah, that's how we know for sure that Ripley is a queer character. She has to save the cat. She has to. She has to save the cat while her friends are downstairs getting murdered by an alien. And I think the way they shoot that scene is really smart cuz they don't show the alien. They just show the reactions of the of the actors. And then you only then you get to just hear what's happening. And like most people say, your mind is going to make things a lot worse than what you would ever see shown to you. I don't know. I don't have a very vivid imagination. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't show me. I think your mind can make up worse things than usually what you can see. So now Ripley is the only one left. R.I.P. Lambert and R.I.P. Parker. So then we get the the long sequence of Ripley activating the self-destruct. Oh, that was a very tense scene. The way that, just the way that anxiety builds in this film, like at no point do I think I was like terrified, but I was anxious the entire time. So stressful. Definitely. And that scene especially because she sets everything to self-destruct. Does she, I think, go to like leave and get in the shuttle at that point but the alien is blocking her way yeah and then you get the uh the dance party there was a dance party i missed that scene that sounds fun did you forget about all the strobing oh oh my god all the strobe lights yeah because i was looking away from my tv because it hurt to look at yeah i understand what they were trying to do with the strobe lights but it was very very hard for me to physically keep my eyes on the screen they just really wanted you to know that the alien loves going to raves he was just trying to have a fun night yeah she runs into the alien and then she has to go back and she's like i'll stop the self-destruct sequence but it's too late that was awful that was very very stressful for me because now and i didn't realize that it was five minutes up until the self-destruct starts and then five minutes to get off of the ship so i was just ready for everything to explode in that moment it was a 10 minute self-destruct sequence and you can only reverse it in the first five minutes. So if you go past that, you can't reverse it anymore. It's going to happen. I thought it was so funny. She's The self-destruct doesn't work. And she's running back through the, through the ship. And she's like, you bitch. To the alien? No, to the ship. She's like, god damn it, mother. Oh, when she's yelling it, yeah, like like a kid going through a, their angsty teenage years. That is exactly how I would have reacted in that moment. I would have been like, you're such a fucking bitch. Yeah, that's how I react to like when my car does something wrong or something like that. So that does seem yeah. pretty realistic. But luckily, she she's able to get on the shuttle. She's able to fly away just in time. And then you see the very bad effect. And she saves Jones. Oh, there's a whole sequence of her like putting Jones in like a like a steel like suit 
briefcasey kind of thing? Briefcasey thing? Like a cat carrier kind of thing? She leaves him the first time that she runs into the alien during the self-destruct, and then she comes back and he's fine. Apparently the alien does not like cats. How Jones managed to survive this long because he'd been picking off the humans one by one so quickly that he must just not like cats or been confused or afraid of it or something. I think it's just the fact that do you want to do you want to hunt something small and insignificant or do you want to hunt something bigger so i think it was just a i don't know is he eating them maybe he just wants like a little jones snack i think he's just killing them i don't i don't know if he's actually eating them because you never see the body it's like he just kills them and then puts them somewhere else but he could be eating them he could just be doing a little bit of both yeah that's true but yeah so the ship explodes you get the 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 effect that doesn't really hold up yeah it looked kind of dumb and that is when you think the movie is over and even with the dumb visuals i did feel very like triumphant just felt yo we did it go ripley but nothing can ever go right in a horror movie nope and she's she's in the process of like getting ready to put herself in stasis while she waits for the ship to get to a point where someone might happen upon her and pick her up Oh my god, that scene where she walks up to the wall. I can't remember what she was doing, but then the hand just falls and the alien is in there just asleep, just taking a nap. He's very sleepy. Yeah, he had a big day of murder. He had to get some rest. The way he just blends into the ship is, it's it's just brilliant. So well done. I'm trying to think of what she does once she finds it. She backs away and hides in, like, the closet that has a spacesuit, and that's when she kind of figures out what she needs to do. Oh, right, right, right. So she, like, climbs into the spacesuit, and I know she, what does she do then? She, like, seat belts herself into... Yeah, she, she buckles herself in, and then she shoots the alien with some sort of, like, gas, something to get him out of where he's at. Okay, so she lures him out, and then she opens the door and shoots him with that, like, what is it called? Like a grappling rod or something? Yeah, so that it, the force will hit him out into space. But the problem is that now the alien is tethered because the door closes on, like, the gun. And now it's tethered to the ship. And then it tries to climb back in through the engine. And then she just turns the engines on full and just roasts him. Yeah, she, like, goes into hyperdrive or something. And it just basically fries him up. Yeah, till he can't hold on. He just floats away. And the scene of the alien outside, like, kind of tethered to the ship and then it going to the engine. I, I don't know if it looked great. I think that scene for me had the same. It wasn't as much of a like gag as when they shot Kane into space, but it kind of had the same feeling where it just looked kind of goofy. It looked like a dummy. Yeah, it looked a little silly, but Ripley is victorious. So our protagonist wins. And do, did you read about how Ridley Scott actually wanted it to end no i didn't he wanted ripley's head to get bitten off by the alien and then the alien to be successful i'm sorry what that i feel like would have tested so poorly with an audience just because ripley is the coolest most likable person in this film i would have been so angry if that's how this had ended yeah it was the studio that said "Mm, we would like a happy ending please and so i think he just relented and was like All right. Yeah, that's insane. I feel like realistically, that's probably what would have happened. And spoilers for Covenant, but the way Covenant ends is very much in that like dark way. So thank you, studio. 
at least in this case, because they made the movie more hopeful. And they saved Ripley. Ripley and the cat were really the only ones I was holding out to survive the whole time. They were my favorite characters. Yeah, and I know she's even better in the next movie, and there's apparently a cute girl named Newt who runs around, like a little girl, so... Then I eventually watch it this upcoming week. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I might want to watch it too. Let me know if you're watching it. But yeah, so you get Ripley given a last log before she goes to sleep and then the movie ends. Doesn't feel like, I don't know, I know a lot was going on, but the plot itself just seems so straightforward that I didn't realize that that much even happened. Yeah, it is very straightforward. It's essentially a crew of people in space who go down to a planet, accidentally bring an alien back onto their ship. The alien ends up killing everybody, except one person who's able to get off and then kills the alien. And that's pretty much the whole plot. Yeah, that's really it. But it's very effective. I feel like it's the same as last week, how Halloween is just very, very straightforward. But there's just so much going on in the background that it makes it feel more full. Because they have a more simplified plot, they can spend a lot more time on things like tension and they could spend a lot of time on crafting the scares as opposed to we just need to get the plot out and we have to get the exposition out i feel like movies today could learn from that so alien on a scale of one to ten how much did it scare you okay out of ten i'm going to say a three. Oh, okay you bumped it up a notch and that's only because of the chestburster scene. It was very intense. Otherwise, yeah, wasn't that scared. The alien visually was not frightening. The jump scares, I think, were placed in a way that I kind of knew they were coming, so I wasn't that upset by those either. Yeah, I think just solid three. Yeah, I would probably say like a... I would probably say like a 1.5 for me. Wow, you're so brave. I think that means maybe I'm less afraid of aliens than I am like an actual like crazy stalker. Hmm. But yeah, this even though this movie doesn't terrify me, I still think it's really good. I would probably give it overall, eh, I would say 9 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 4.5 penis aliens out of 5. That seems fair. I really liked it. It's a very, very good and well-crafted movie. I've heard a lot of people say that it is actually a perfect movie i think if it weren't for those few visual blunders yeah i really can't find anything that i did not like about it and poor kane just being blasted off into space oh god they should really remaster or do something about that it just needs slow down is all yeah that might be all it is i mean imagine how funny that scene would be if you were just to like play it and then just hear or yeah yeah just add some sort of like really goofy audio effect i'm not dead yet oh my god (laughs) Uh, do we need to go back in and re-edit that and add it yeah that can be our new side project we'll take horror films and put in ridiculous sound effects and see what happens i think we would become a very popular youtube channel if we did that it'd be like a bad lip reading kind of thing yeah go back to halloween and every stab is like a boing oh my god (laughs) Oh no, you're going to tell me what the next movie is. I've been so nervous. I am. Okay, so do you want to know how I picked this movie? Yes, please. I was stuck between three films because I, I want to kick it up not really far. I want to kick it up a little bit. Okay, maybe take me from like a three to a five? Yeah, so I was trying to think of movies that I thought were scary but not super intense or at least nothing that you couldn't get through. And so I had 
three movies in my brain and I couldn't decide. So I decided the best course of action was I went up to my boyfriend, Michael, who hates horror movies. And I said, hey, here are the three movies I'm thinking of choosing. Which one would you like to watch the least? And that's the one I chose. Okay, so now I can just blame Michael for whatever happens next. Yeah, so I said Blair Witch Project. He said no. I said Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He said no. And then I said, what about Poltergeist? And he said yes. Okay, I'm thinking about what I know about this movie And I realize it's nothing. So this is the classic 1982 movie Poltergeist that uh, was directed by Toby Hooper. But a lot of people say it was actually directed by Steven Spielberg, but he just wasn't credited. Oh, I'd never heard that before. From what I've heard is that he was on set a lot. I've heard that there were straight days where he was just directing. I would have to look more into it because this is just things I've heard. But yeah, so what do you what do you know about this movie? Okay, just guessing from the title, I'm going to say it's like a ghost possession demon kind of movie. Um, I have seen references to that scene where the TV goes all staticky and like it sucks her into it or something like that happens. Um, God, do I know anything else about this movie? I think that might be the only thing I know about the movie. Yeah, that wouldn't really surprise me because unless you're like really familiar with the horror world i think a lot of people have definitely heard of it but unless you've seen it i I can't imagine other than the scene where she goes they're here oh i didn't even know that was from that movie this movie is notoriously cursed whether you believe it or not wait what does that mean we'll go over it next episode or you might even read it in the meantime okay yeah they say the same thing about the exorcist too that I could kind of see just from what I do know about The Exorcist, which hopefully we won't watch for a long time. Because the devil. You know what? I think out of the ones that you just listed, I probably would have been the most afraid of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because doesn't he walk around with like someone else's face on his face the whole time? Yeah, it was the one I was actually leaning towards. But then when Michael said that he personally would be more afraid to watch Poltergeist, and I thought, eh, why not? I mean, he's kind of in the same boat you are. You are. He can watch a lot of horror as long as it's not supernatural or demons. So this will be fun. I'll have to see what it looks like visually because that's usually the part that sticks with me the most. There's one scene in particular in this movie that I don't think you will be okay with. Oh, good. Looking forward to that. The rest, I think you'll be okay with it. But this this one scene is the only reason I think this movie ratchets it up or at least will ratchet it up for you. But overall, I think you will enjoy it. We'll find out. To be continued. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, you can head over to Twitter. You can follow us at HorrorStruckPod. Oh, and by the time this is out, we will have a Facebook up and running as well. Yes. What? Is it just HorrorStruckPod? Yes. That's perfect. All right, horror fans. Thank you for listening. And remember, stay spooky. Bye. Bye.